Check podcasts. This is Van Collar. Van Collar. Hey folks, my name is Mo Amir and this is Van Collar, British Columbia's bonafide culture and politics TV talk show right here on Check and Check Plus. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Tonight, we have a stacked show and we're going to get right into it with our featured guest. This year, she made Vancouver Magazine's Power 50 list. She was the first drag queen to perform at the World Rugby Sevens. She is the queer ambassador for Fairmont Hotels, a winner of Vancouver's Next Drag Superstar. She has raised tens of thousands of dollars for various charities, performer, model, host, LGBTQ activist. And of course, you recognize her from season two of Canada's Drag Race, where she brought her biracial pride and incredible performances to the national stage, and she brought it with kindness and authenticity. She is a Canadian drag sensation. She is Kendall Gender Kendall. So nice to see you. You too. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. Of course. I'm so excited (laughs) that you're here and that we're able to chat. I have to be completely honest with you. Drag culture, pretty foreign to me. Okay. I've been to Pride. I've seen Queens. So I had a bit of an idea, but I really had no idea until I started watching Canada's Drag Race, season two, your season. Well, there you go. (laughs) And I gained a new appreciation for the dancing the singing, the choreography, the stories that you're telling on stage, the makeup, right? Like (laughs) the outfits, it it, it was incredible. But what I gained the most appreciation for was the puns. Mm. I love (laughs) puns and puns seem to be so prevalent in drag culture. Why, Why is that? I feel like puns and sort of all of this sort of language comes from an idea that You know, drag obviously is a play on gender identity, right? Mm. So it's a play on sort of pushing the envelope for what, you know, female and male identity and how those sort of ideas cross and intermingle, if you will. So I think the language that comes around drag culture, and especially to do with like anything punny, if you will, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think those things sort of go hand in hand. I think it's sort of always about pushing the boundaries and and sort of like mingling things from, from language to gender. It's sort of like... Like a, a melting pot. Right. And sometimes it's like innuendo that you can get away with, right? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yes, totally. There's, it's always like sugar-coated a little right. bit. Or, or coated in diamonds, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, drag has clearly a rich history. I mean, we can go as far back to ancient Greece, but when we think of modern drag, we're really thinking about something that involves the LGBTQ community. And certainly at a time when the LGBTQ community and folks were criminalized just for being who they are. And even these shows were were criminalized. Obviously, the culture has moved forward and progressed a lot. There, there are still social justice and protest undertones in drag, uh, but now it's mainstream. You know, you're on Canada's Drag Race, very popular TV show, RuPaul, obviously. You're sharing the stage with Dr. Bonnie Henry as one of the most powerful people in the city. Tell me about, in the context of drag culture, tell me about your experience in terms of how you entered this field and and why and how you dedicated yourself to this performance art. 
Absolutely. So for me, I've been sort of innately a performer for a lot of my life. I was in theater and all this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. when I came into my early 20s, I would say I was sort of wanting to experiment with with gender and performance identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I basically went to a drag show and I saw a drag queen perform for the first time. <laughs> and I was like, <gasps> and I was completely taken back by it. And I, yeah. I, I fully immersed myself into into the culture. And, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but it was 2004 when I started mm-hmm. um, and the amount that drag has progressed during even the time frame that I've been involved in it it's it's incredible like how so in ways of of, of pop culture and in, in the way mm-hmm. of opportunities a lot of that has to do with with drag race for sure mm-hmm. um, you know even in 2014 drag race was was popular but it wasn't definitely at its peak as it is right now I mm-hmm. would say I think it's in so many living rooms it's in it's on Netflix <laughs> you know what I mean drag queens are basically now getting opportunities to be in the forefront of pop culture and you know right. magazine covers advertising campaigns all these kind of things and I think that it's it's, it's really cool to see that drag has come so far from being a little bit more underground as mm. it was in history um, to really being at the forefront of a lot of conversations. Right. And there still is that intersection between the performance aspect and I guess the protest aspect. Totally. Yeah. I think, I think for me, I've always sort of had the idea that drag and, and the protest or activism, they kind of go hand in hand. Mm. I think that the, or origination of drag really did come from from a lot of protesting and, and them sort of like beating down the doors to get the rights that they they deserve. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's very important for all generations of drag performers to remember that those two things really should always go hand in hand. Mm. Because even just me sitting here today, this is a statement. Sure. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I am I am pushing the boundaries when it comes to, to gender identity and all that kind of stuff. It is political in a sense, mm. just my existence, if you will. Sure. Um, and, and I think it's very important to remember that. Yeah. Now, on the show, on Canada's Drag Race, you had a relatively emotional moment where you talked about how drag saved your life. So, you know, you're talking about discovering drag and seeing it for the first time. Tell me what you meant by that in terms of how it saved your life. Yeah. So for me, I think within my, you know, queer identity and and growing up, I felt something that I like to refer to as like dislocation. Mm. Sort of the idea that I never really felt a part of many situations, whether that was, you know, my my family or or my home life or or the high school that I was in. There was Mm. always some sort of like disconnect sometimes. Um, And for me, unfortunately, that dislocation ended up leading to uh, a substance abuse problem um, where I was partying really, really, really heavily, um, you know, hitting the clubs a little bit too hard. Um, And for me, it it spun out of control. Mm. So when I started to get into drag, um, it was really at the height of my addiction issues for the first little while of it. Oh, wow. So I didn't really think that it was possible to do drag and to to live a sober life. So I did end up getting sober um, and then I completely stopped doing drag and I sort of like disconnected from it completely. Mm. Um, and then after a few months, I was like, I really miss this this part of my life and yeah. I really miss this this creative outlet and, and all this kind of stuff. So I started doing drag again. And for me, it it saved my life in that way, because it really helped me find a purpose mm-hmm. um, in sobriety and just in my life. Uh, I really feel like I truly was like put on this earth to, to do this. <laughs> I really do feel like I am in this body or in this character, if you will, to, to express myself in this way and, uh, and sort of 
enrich the world as a drag queen, if you will. Um, and I really do uh, attest a lot of that um, to the to the art form. Yeah, that's an incredible story, and it's so inspirational, and it's so nice to hear that that that's how how you found drag to save your life, yeah. or, or or as this outlet, and not just a creative outlet, but one that almost takes a spiritual aspect, Totally, right? really like grounded me as a person. Yeah. Now, now tell me about this idea of family in drag. Like mm. in the show, you kind of talk about this brat pack and there's this discussion about drag families yeah. or drag mothers. I, that was something that I, I couldn't follow. Can you can you sort of explain that to me? Totally, yeah. So in the, the queer culture, like it, it, for a lot of years, there's this thing that's called a uh, drag family or like chosen family mm -hmm. um so basically a chosen family is surrounding yourself with people um that you relate to creatively or personally or, or spiritually whatever that yeah. is and you can sort of create your own family unit um it sort of started with the idea if you've ever watched the show pose um there's a lot of reference to to chosen family in that mm -hmm. um people who who maybe left their actual family's home and then found this sort of family um within a different community okay. so there's things like you know chosen mothers and, yeah. and chosen daughters and, and chosen aunts and uncles and cousins and all this kind of stuff. Um, so for me, I am a drag mother okay. to, to three drag daughters. Um, and I also have a drag mother. I have a drag grandmother. Um, and we've sort of created this beautiful community uh, of like-minded individuals. Um, mm. And it's very special. I, I, I hold those relationships very, very, very close to me because um, it's, quite, it's quite interesting to get the opportunity to create your own family in a way because you're really choosing to invest in those relationships right for anyone yeah. who is foreign to drag culture as i was <laughs> what would you tell them maybe maybe they're a little hesitant maybe they say uh, uh well i'm not really into puns but <laughs> but what's in it for me what would i what would i get out of watching a drag show well first of all we'll have to put you in a pair of stilettos and i think you'll probably <laughs> feel different <laughs> um no you know for me i think that i think that drag is a beautiful leeway into the queer identity and mm -hmm. into queer culture. I think it's a very palatable way to to know, to meet people within that community, um, whether it's at a drag show or a drag brunch or all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think I think it's very important to remember that Drag culture is not just um, adult focused as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's uh, it, it obviously gets the idea that it's really wrapped up in nightclubs and, and culture in that way. Right. Um, but I think as we're seeing, it it can be in your living room and it mm -hmm. can be family entertainment. And I think it it's uh, it's been really cool to see that. And I mean, I think that that's probably what I would want to tell people is that it uh, it can be for for everyone. Totally. Yeah. Kendall, I love it. You are clearly the best dressed guest I've ever had. Oh, we match so, actually. So we do. We're, we're on the same page. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> we are now in the podcast exclusive part of my chat with bonafide Canadian drag sensation, Kendall Gender. Kendall, thanks for sticking around. <laughs> Thank you for having that me. That was so much fun. I was so excited. I've, I've been crushing season two and you are amazing and the show is amazing i love it yeah i really i really feel like the show has been so beautiful and like you know we honestly recorded that like in the height of the pandemic yeah. so to see it kind of come out and how everyone's related to it and all we wanted to do is just provide some like good entertainment for a really wacky time in the world. <laughs> totally. and, and I, I really really think that we did that now when, when i met you at vancouver magazine's power 50 gala mm -hmm. uh, i was a little intimidated because you were very popular <laughs> You had like a crowd of people around you wanting to say hi, <laughs> get a photo. And and I have to say, you were incredibly kind and nice. And, you know, I'm pitching people all day, but usually over email and stuff or the phone. 
And I, I just said, hey, would you like to come on my show? And you were so nice and, and wonderful. Oh, so. well, you're very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Has, you know, w- when we talk about you being on this show and, and off mic, we were, we were discussing how you're receiving a lot of input for, online. How has it changed your life in terms of like, are you getting noticed on the street or people trying to get your photo when you're just caring about your day? Yeah, I mean, actually, that's probably the biggest change that yeah. I've, I've noticed from the show. Like, I I obviously have been doing drag for a number of years, but like, you have to be interested in like the local Vancouver drag scene in order to like know kind of like the happening. Right. Whereas being on this show, it's put me into this totally different platform. So yeah, I get uh, I get stopped on on the street. I get stopped at the dollar store for <laughs> pictures. Um, basically anywhere and everywhere, uh, all over. And the coolest part is that it, it actually happens uh, all across the country. Yeah. So if I'm so traveling cool. to other cities, people are are really engaged, and I yeah I, I I'm always down to take a picture. I, I feel very flattered, and like I think it's really cool that anyone would even want to stop me to take a picture. <laughs> um, I, but I would say that's uh, that's the biggest change, and and to be honest, uh, something that we've really noticed is that uh, people actually will ask like me and my partner for pictures. Okay. Um, which is like a huge change, and even even my partner was like was like wow this is kind of weird like uh, <laughs> you know what I mean they're like it's it's this whole other uh, it's this whole other world. Yeah. 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 So you haven't got sick of it yet. People no, being like, no, Can no, I, get a I photo? love it. I, okay. I literally feel honored every single time if someone wants to like take a picture with me or, yeah. or talk to me. Um, yeah, it, it humbles me. Cool. Words, yeah. Let's talk about the drag scene in Vancouver. Again, as I mentioned in the in the TV portion, like it, I'm very foreign to the culture. What is the scene like in Vancouver? I imagine, you know, us being a metropolis, uh, metropolis where mm-hmm. we're we're kind of a little more progressive. Like it must be uh, outside of COVID, of course, <laughs> Yeah, like uh, a pretty good scene. It is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I've been doing drag in Vancouver since 2014. Um, I actually had a weekly show for a number of years and it okay. was like super popular. Um, like, you know, people love drag in Vancouver and the yeah. best part about it is there's, there's so many opportunities for drag performers. Um, no matter what type of drag performer you are, mm. you know, there's a lot of opportunity for, you know, drag Kings or, or non-binary drag performers and or trans performers, everything. And, uh, there's stages and spaces for all of them and they're all very celebrated. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's that, yeah, that comes with living in a little bit more of a progressive city, um, because people are just more like open to it, um, yeah. which I love. And I think it's a really like way, a good way to foster the art yeah now i i'm no expert in the comedy scene but but i have friends that are comedians and one of their complaints in the city of vancouver is that we're just losing a lot of spaces we're losing theater space we're losing stage space and so you know and and the and the data kind of backs it up in terms of performance art or just arts and culture in general it's like we're losing a lot of those spaces has that have you experienced that in vancouver or is the popularity growing so much that maybe it balances out you know, I think we have, I think especially within like the the queer spaces, there's there we lost a lot over the over the years. You know, there's mm-hmm. only a couple of bars on Davy Street. Um not that some of them host drag shows and some of them don't. Yeah. Um, but there is still only a few. Um I think what I've seen within the last few years is the opportunity where people are sort of creating 
different spaces. So they're they're putting on drag shows in a non-conventional space. For like example, what kind like of spaces? A, in like a sports bar. Okay. You know yeah. what I mean? Or like like I did a drag show at the Colony on Granville Street. Right. Yeah, okay. Like a, a few days ago, and like it's it's things like that where because drag is is so much more in pop culture, if you will, mm-hmm. I think it's allowed um, you know promoters and, and and drag performers to put drag into different spaces. Right. Um, so where we may be losing the the full queer spaces, it's also opened up this other kind of thing. So it's sort of a, a catch twenty two, if you will. Right. Are you seeing? I mean, based on when you started drag and doing drag, are you seeing the demographics sort of shift in terms of who's in the audience now as well? Totally. Yeah. yeah I think, I think you know, even back in 2014 when I started, it was very, you know, queer focused. I think a lot of the audience was 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 queer and that sort of stuff. Whereas now it's it's all ages. You yeah. know, I do, I do youth events. I do children events. I, there's bachelorette parties, that have <laughs> all this kind of stuff. And like, it's, it's, it, it's become almost, uh, more accessible for everyone. Yeah. Um, a lot to do with the TV show for sure. Um, but just sort of, yeah, it, it's been really cool to see, like you can look out and you'll, you maybe have like a, a 14 year old or, and then also like a, a seven year old hmm. there at the same show. And it's all sort of like celebrating. Does that change your creative process at all? Knowing that maybe there's a different audience or that the audience is changing now totally. or yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's something about like drag artistry that I love is that it has the opportunity to change on your mood. If you, will. you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. so, like, you know, depending on your hair color or, yeah. or, or your makeup or the song that you're performing, you sort of get to be a different character mm-hmm. um, where, so yeah, I definitely do. I definitely would change like my performance style or, or song choice or, or outfit, depending on what the audience is. Right. Um, you know what I mean? I'm not going to be too provocative if the, if the setting doesn't uh, allow it. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. So, so walk me through, your creative process in the sense that like you've clearly developed this persona, right? Um, Does everything stem from, from you being Kendall gender or are you doing everything and everything? Like it doesn't even necessarily have to relate to Kendall gender. Yeah. I think that, I think that the character definitely sort of like lived inside of me maybe when I was like younger. Yeah. Um, I think I had like a femininity, femininity that was like boiling in my adolescence and and that wanted to come out. So when Kendall was created, it, it was a very like natural progression. Mm. Um, but yeah. Did you come up with the name or was it yeah, suggested to or so, how? Well, my name is Kenneth yeah. out of drag. Um, so Ken doll or Kendall was like a nickname that I had okay. um, throughout high school and, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I've had the name Kendall for a long time. Some people even just like call me Kendall, uh, like regardless of drag. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then I, I I sort of was like playing around with uh, puns. Yeah. Your favorite. <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah, I was, uh, yeah, we were just sort of like spitballing ideas and uh, yeah, I, I rhymed Jenner and gender and kind of the idea that gender is a construct and yeah. we're playing with it, especially in drag. Um, and that's sort of where the name came from. How much inspiration do you take from Kendall Jenner, the person? <laughs> Not tons. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Not tons. Yeah, I like, I, people always ask me that. And, uh, they're like, are you Kendall Jenner's number one fan? Yeah. Um, and although I do, I do like her. I think she's, I think she's stunning. Yeah. Um, I think it has to do more with the idea of the Kardashians as a whole. Mm. And sort of that idea that they are so self-created out of like, this sort of like void in pop culture mm. um, that you can basically like become as, famous as you want to be right um based on who knows right like yeah. that the opportunity is is sort of like endless and i think that that's more where i get the the play from um is that idea with pop culture and because i kind of think that drag is the same 
idea, right? Like you can kind of create whatever persona or lifestyle um, Mm -hmm. that you want to present. And I feel like the Kardashians are are like an example of that. Yeah. And before I watched the show and before I learned a little more, like I guess my idea of drag was, was quite narrow. And then in in learning more, I realized like it's this huge spectrum of again, different performance art and some of it, even on just your season of, of Canada's drag race, right. It, It can be very serious and emotive. And then some of it is just fully playful and, mm-hmm. and, and silly and, and awesome. And, and the, the, uh, the performances are endless in terms of what they can be yeah. like that. I found really cool. And I, I was actually surprised. I don't know if this is going to sound weird. I found, mm-hmm. I was surprised that Queens could basically perform as men mm-hmm. and, and then, but they're like, you're Kendall Jenner, but you're now playing a, a man on stage. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I also thought was quite fascinating. So it, it, it just seems like the creative possibilities are, are endless. Yeah. I think that that's something that drag really allows is that there is no construct to mm-hmm. what that performance looks like. Do you know what I mean? No wonder, no matter what your gender identity is underneath mm-hmm. the drag is, is the costume or the, the persona that you put on. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's really important to remember because I, I think that just allows more opportunity for like all different types of drag to be celebrated. Um, like if I was, you know, I mean, I have a, I have a viral video on TikTok where I'm like performing as Woody from Toy right. Story. Yeah. And for me, that's tech. I mean, I only did it the one time, but for me, <laughs> technically that is still drag, right? Yeah. Like it's still my performance. I was like, do we had a Disney theme show mm-hmm. and that was the drag that I chose to do that was an outfit that you had on the show as well yeah a yeah. more like provocative version of sure. it, but yes <laughs> yes yes I, I i did i did use that outfit on the yeah. show actually yeah do you often tap into pop culture because i i mean there were some segments of the show obviously where you had to impersonate someone or whatever but like is that generally a big inspiration for you yeah for me it is i really like i like being inspired by pop culture whether that be you know other performers or or celebrities or whatever that is i really i love pop culture references yeah um i've just always been really like fascinated with that um and i think that that's where a lot of my like passion for drag comes from cool yeah now one thing i've, I've kind of alluded to was how everyone was so nice to each other and kind mm-hmm. to each other on the show which again I was just surprised because most reality TV competitions, you you get uh, rivalries and people being mean to each other. Right. And that really wasn't there on your season of, of the show. And is that reflective of just the personalities that were involved or more reflective of drag culture or just the feel of what the producers kind of wanted and they didn't want, you know, antagonistic <laughs> characters on the show? I feel like for us, it was a little bit more peculiar because you have to realize that we were filming like right in the height of the pandemic. Mm. So I think that we were just excited to like be around people. <laughs> and I think we were just like we a lot of us. uh haven't hadn't done drag tons yeah. because we were locked in our bedrooms. You know what I mean? Right. So to get the, this huge opportunity, like drag race to do drag all the time and be surrounded with other like-minded individuals. I think that that's why we were like not as catty, yeah. um, but you definitely do see cattiness on like other seasons. So like, sure. if you were to watch maybe some of the American seasons or, or, you know, UK or whatever that is, I think there, there is that cattiness. I think ours was an anomaly yeah. based on the situation that we were in and maybe the fact that we're Canadian. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Honestly, I liked it though. I liked, I mean, there was a lot of exploration about certain vulnerabilities and all of you queens seem to be supporting each other. And that was, I thought that was actually very totally. compelling. And I think maybe 
maybe because it went against my expectation of again reality based TV competitions or or I, I'm I'm not sure, but I did find that quite compelling that even though you were very much in a competition where yeah. you wanted to win, you were all pretty much supporting each other. Yeah, and I, I liked being a part of that as well. Yeah. Um, so I think that it was it was very nice to sort of like feel that support from everyone. It wasn't like anyone was doing anything to like, you know, trip you or whatever. But, you know what I mean? Like they weren't they weren't throwing marbles on the on the floor so you trip or whatever the situation is. Like they we really did like want the best for everyone because we yeah. like, we were all there to like create a good show. And, and you were basically up against some of your good friends, particularly Cynthia Kiss. Was was that hard? Knowing that it was a competition, I mean, you you, you did have the lip sync uh, battle yeah. at, when she was booted. Um, w- w- how hard was that? Yeah, I mean, I think having your closest friends in a situation like that definitely has its ups and downs. I yeah. think it was uh, there's obviously a lot of support and excitement that comes with having your friends there, um, but at the end of the day, you're not really in a team environment. Yeah, you know what I mean. You are. It's not like sports or something where you're all working as a team to get to the same goal. It's it's every woman for themselves, if you will. Um, so yeah, especially in that particular situation, it was uh, it was really hard because it was like, you know, I, I want the best for her, but I also want the best for myself. Right. Um, which is why I think that like moment for me was very emotional. Um, and I think it like, I think the, the, sh- the you see it on the show. Like, yeah. it's, it's really intense. Um, that's not like scripted, you know what I mean? That's, that's mm-hmm. genuine emotion um, sort of being like torn in, in two ways. Mm-hmm. But we're still really good friends now. So no, that's good. It was, uh, it, was uh, it was intense only for. But even even in the even in the lip sync, we kind of come up to each other, and it's like I love you, like no matter what happens, kind of yeah, thing. And so like, cool. Um, yeah. Is there something that viewers of the show might not have realized? Like I, I don't know, in terms of how the show is put together, or something they they maybe when you've seen the show, and I know you haven't watched the show back again, but something that you're like, oh, they didn't put this in, or it's. This wasn't actually how the show was done. Or. I think the number one like takeaway for me is that, and I didn't really realize it before uh, being a part of it, um, is that it's they're really long days. Yeah, it's really obviously yes, it is television, but it's like it's really, really, really long hours and long filming. So although it's only you know forty five minutes of, of of a show, mm-hmm. that's you know you know, hours and hours and hours, like sometimes from like 5 a.m. until midnight. Oh, wow. Filming and that kind of stuff. So I think when you're, when you're taking the show as a, as entertainment, I think it's always very important to, you know, remember that like the girls are, are trying their best. Yeah. You know, like it's a, if something looks a little bit off on the runway, it's, it's a, give them, give them a break. Are you telling me that you didn't, you didn't memorize the songs and put together an outfit and do your makeup in five minutes? I mean, it felt like five minutes. <laughs> it felt like five minutes sometimes. Fair enough. Now, I, I, I do not, I, I, I do not have the hubris to say that I have any other talents besides maybe talking. Okay. I don't sing. That's a big talent. I don't sing. I don't <laughs> dance. I'm not, not good at any of that stuff. But as I said, I love puns. Yeah. And so I want you to christen me with a punny drag name. Oh. If you can. Oh my I don't, Not gosh. to put you on the spot. I know. Um, Oh my gosh! I really have to think about this. I have I have one ready, and it's oh, my favorite okay. pun with my own name. Okay, because Mo Mo can fit in a lot of words, right? Mo money, Mo problems. <laughs> I was thinking Momance. Oh, Momance or yeah. Momant? Momance. I kind of like Mo Mant. 
Because it's like M-A-N-T moment, but it's oh, like, man. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. There's, a, there's like it's like a, a double entendre. It's a pun inside a pun. <laughs> okay, even better. <laughs> I love that so much. I'm going to use it. Frankly. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait to see it. <laughs> Kendall, seriously, you are so awesome. You're oh. a gem. Uh, you've been kind, and just for coming on the show, I really appreciate it. Thank and you for I, having me. And I do want to say, I, I said this off mic, but I think it's really important that people do embrace their vulnerability because it inspires others. And for you to talk about your your addiction, your sobriety, I think that's incredible. And uh, I just want to thank you for that because I think it's really important to a lot of people. So, so thank you for that. Thank you for being an inspiration. And again, a very powerful person in this city. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was so Absolutely. <laughs> Folks, what a show. Canadian drag sensation. Follower on all the social media. You're probably doing that already, but especially Instagram and I guess TikTok, uh, if you're not doing so already. She is Kendall Gender, and I'm Oamir telling you that in a city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace. Peace.